I know, dude. Yeah, well, it was a good game. It was a this good playoff the, game. This is the playoff. That's what I was, was going to say. This is the playoffs, right? It wouldn't feel right necessarily if you didn't have some amount of, if you didn't have that requisite amount of angst and just like, oh I mean, my God. Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the Nuggets have the Lakers right where they want them, being down 1-3 after tonight, as they have yet to lose a series this year, being down 1-3. But also, the Lakers have the Nuggets right where they want them, because they're now up 3-1. And they, too, have yet to lose a series this year, being up 3-1. So, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, and one inevitability must win out. I'll stick with being up 3-1 in this scenario, though. How about you, Tommy? I'll take the 3-1, thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, but it was not an easy 3-1 to get to this point, let me tell you. Is your butt finally unclenched, Tommy? Oh yeah, it was clenched there for a good while. I'm going to have to go check to see if there's any damage later. <laughs> oh man, so the Lakers have won 114 to 108 against the Denver Nuggets in a hard-fought battle up until the last few minutes and the Lakers were somehow still able to pull it out, mainly because they were offensive rebounding the ball the entire night, getting second chance points, out hustling the Denver Nuggets to the boards. A night after only securing 25 rebounds, which I look at that number and that is still so insane that we had a game where we only had 25 rebounds. Tonight, the Lakers combined for 41, course corrected, and then on the offensive glass, they had 12 to the Nuggets 6, which was the difference in the game. Obviously, you saw that huge playoff Rondo rebound at the end there. That was, I think, the tail of the night and indicative of how this uh, game went. And thank God for those offensive rebounds because the Lakers could not buy a bucket in the second half. Their offense looked clunky as heck. And their defense the entire night was uh, not stellar, Bob. They allowed the Nuggets to shoot 50%, but I think that number was super high after the first quarter. But yeah, we'll get into this game, but you know, the Lakers are up 3-1. Let's not forget (laughs) that the Lakers are up 3-1. They are five wins away from a championship, one win away from the NBA Finals. I felt like tonight, Tommy, was sort of uh, heroes by committee in the fourth quarter. There wasn't really one guy that kind of took the reins. Uh, You know, LeBron tried to, but his jump shot still wasn't working. He took some really wild shots at the end there. Held the ball a lot till the shot clock went down to like five seconds. Guys were scrambling to and fro. Markeith Morris played a hell of a lot in the fourth quarter and wasn't very good for much of it. Having said that, there were still moments by several guys. Obviously, KCP, he had that huge three-pointer, had a huge steal, as well as tipped the ball a couple of times to get the Lakers the rebound. Rondo, as I mentioned, had that huge offensive rebound at the end to pretty much ice the game. He also had that Rondo free throw line jump shot where he was wide open and he nailed it. Also got AD that alley-oop dunk after he sprained his ankle and gave us a little bit of a scare. And then obviously in the third quarter, he really stemmed the tide for us offensively when we could not get it going. And then with regards to LeBron, he had tremendous defense on Murray. The Nuggets fans are going to call foul on every single one of those. Whatever, let them. I felt like LeBron James still moved his feet tremendously and really took it upon himself to uh, at least even give Murray something to think about mentally because Murray was just ridiculous tonight, hitting all sorts of tough shots. And when you put LeBron in front of you, that at least makes you hesitate a little bit. But as I mentioned, heroes by committee to close this game out. What were your thoughts on tonight's game that kind of felt like early on, you know, especially as we started the game, We were mentally focused. We had really good energy and hustle. And that's the one quarter where our offense was really humming. We had 37 points in the first. We kept things clean. I think we only had nine turnovers tonight. We attacked quickly. 
Boom went the Dwightamites with Dwight Howard starting this game. He had like eight rebounds in the first eight minutes, which is crazy to think about given the fact that I think he out-rebounded like five guys in the last game with that one eight-minute stretch performance on the glass. Uh, and overall, his energy was really keeping us afloat there. And then to start off, AD was supernova. He was uh, quick, decisive, really sharp movements, hitting turnaround fadeaway shots, quick step floaters, started the game off seven for seven. And overall, the energy was good to start the game. I feel like the defense overall wasn't there because we gave up 30 points to the Nuggets in that first quarter and allowed them to shoot a pretty blistering percentage. But for you, how are you feeling uh, coming out of this game just generally? Generally feeling pretty good. I thought that you know, they made a lot of good adjustments. It, I mean, I, it is a little bit mind-blowing to me. We've played some really, really, really elite offensive players so far, and maybe it's just so heightened because, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but Denver's has a much better... They're not, like, so one-dimensional as some of the other superstar teams are, but, like, we did a pretty good job against Dame and CJ, I thought. We did a very good job against Harden and Russ, um, especially towards the end of that series. We have, like, no answers for Murray. I mean, we even did better tonight against Jokic. I'm sure people will complain about the, uh, you know, foul trouble with him, but he plays with foul trouble a lot. Um, But, you know, Murray... We just have no answer, and I don't know what we're going to do. I'm like, thank God we don't have to play some team with a crazy point guard. I mean, like, God forbid we have to play, like, you know, if we end up playing somehow the Celtics in the finals, if both teams, you know, make it that far, we we have to play, like, against somebody like Kemba because I I just don't understand why we have no one who can stay in front of him. And, you know, with the help, he's so crafty at finishing in the paint. It's just, like, blowing my mind. His outside shot is, like, I he was actually 0 for 3 tonight, which is pretty surprising mm. to me um, from 3. Because I th- felt like he hit a bunch of 3s. <laughs> but um, yeah. he he's just, like, got it working from every distance. He has played very, very well in the clutch. He's getting a good amount of free throws. Um making really, really good passes. I mean, he's not one-dimensional as a scorer right now. And so I'm, like, like very, very impressed with him. Um, You know, despite that, we were able to pull out this win, thankfully. And I thought we played really well. Uh, I thought we played, like, a good 48-minute game. Of course, there are stretches in every game where, you know, the team doesn't look great. I thought there were times in the second quarter where we looked a little weak, and there were stretches... I can't remember if it's end of third, maybe early fourth, where we looked a little weak. Um, but overall, I thought very solid 48-minute game. I thought Vogel corrected a lot of things, putting Dwight in the starting lineup and mm-hmm. giving him 23 minutes. Seemed like a no-brainer after game one. As we've seen in pre- uh, previous series, sometimes he waits to pull the trigger on moves like that. Um, which, when you have a lead in a series, you know, when we were up 2-0, I guess you could you could be a little bit more cautious about that kind of stuff. But after the loss, made the move, Dwight comes in, gets a double-double, and only two fouls in 23 minutes, which is awesome. And, mm-hmm. you know, having him out there against Jokic for more time just took Jokic out of the game that much more. Um, Low-key, I thought a random dude that is probably, like, not going to get talked about that much in this in this game, who had I thought had a really, really good game, despite being lost at times, Markeith Morris, he had, like, several picks or tip-aways on like mm-hmm. near backdoor passes or like there was one sidelines out of bounds play in the fourth quarter towards the end of the game that Denver was trying to run uh, for Michael Porter Jr. or somebody to get like an easy basket. And and he just like totally blew it up and read it and picked off the pass. I thought he had a really, really solid defensive game. He fouled out and a few of them felt like kind of nonsense calls. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, overall though, like fantastic effort and um, – I hope we can clean up the defense. I'm not 100% positive by any means we're going to win game five, but um, it was it was a good it was a good game. Yeah, I mean, quick reflexes by Markeith Morris to your point there at the end. Um, so to the Jamal Murray point, you just got to give it up to the guy and give him credit. He's like peaking at just the right time in his NBA career. And I think these, this playoffs has given him the utmost confidence. I will say the Denver Nuggets are 
perfectly suited to amplify him because I look, this is not a slight on him. I, I was talking to you before we hit record. I do not think he's that much different than Damian Lillard and James Harden. And in fact, those two players obviously have experience on top of him. I just think that those two other players do not have the luxury of playing with a big man like Nikola Jokic, who, you know, he had a subpar game tonight. But the thing about the Nuggets, though, you mentioned it. They're a much more versatile offensive team than the two other teams that we played before, right? The reason why we can't trap Jamal Murray and tire him out the entire game the way that we did James Harden and Damian Lillard is one, because Jamal Murray actually moves off ball, unlike James Harden. And, I was say that. <laughs> and also, the Nuggets move around off ball, and you can't send another guy to Jamal Murray for too much of the time, otherwise they're going to cut you apart. Murray's going to give it up, Jokic is going to get it and carve up your defense, you know? I mean, I'm sure James Harden wished he had that sort of safety valve. I'm sure Damian Lillard wished he had that. So that's why Jamal Murray's kind of allowed to sort of reign free and do, I mean, hit these mid-range jump shots, hit the ridiculous shots he's been hitting, including that, like, up and under layup against two Lakers players, including Anthony Davis. I mean, he's hitting some absurd shots and credit to him. Those are, those are tough shots. And, and like you said, making the right reads offensively. But I think it's in tandem with, and this is not, again, taking anything away from Jamal Murray, just the brilliance of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, this perfect pairing. And the Lakers have to continue to just pressure both of them and, and, and figure them out. And yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but they are definitely, the toughest look we've seen so far offensively because, and and this is not to say necessarily that on paper, the Nuggets are more talented than, well, actually maybe they are more talented than the Clippers, but I think their synergy together and their cohesion is obviously a lot tighter. And I feel like the Lakers, the Nuggets are just a more versatile team. And there's not like in the ways that the Lakers are able to counter against the Portland Trailblazers and the, and the Houston Rockets, it feels like the Nuggets can continue to, re-counter our counter you know um, because they're that versatile and so I feel like that's what you're seeing even in a game like this I felt like it's kind of been this game has been a microcosm of the series so far where it seems like in that first quarter that the Lakers are more dominant more more physically imposing they're faster they're stronger this is an easy win for them you know and then Denver adjusts, and then they just give oh. us fits defensively, you know, yeah, throughout the yeah. rest of the quarters. And then it's just like this slug-it-out battle the rest of the, the game. Which And like the series, it's a slug-it-out series outside of that first game where we, you know, dominated it from start to finish. So, Well, the crazy thing about Denver, and I'll comment on Murray in a second, but the crazy thing about Denver is they just do not get tired. You know, like, I'm, I was one of the people who mocked Doc Rivers for his, like, well, our guys didn't have the condition and comment after they lost Game 7. I mean, like, it, it just, regardless of how, you know, and how good shape Denver is, you that's, like, a lame thing to, to comment about at that time. But anyway, Denver is actually, though, in to be clear, in fantastic shape. I mean, Jamal mm-hmm. Murray gets, like, more active as the game goes on. It's crazy, dude. Like... He barely sits. I mean, he sits three minutes a game, and he is going all out on both ends. I mean, this dude is like, he only had one offensive rebound in this game. I think he had like five in the last game. You know, he had a block in this game, Um, you know, in in a clutch play in, in late in the fourth quarter. Like, he is so active on both ends, and for how much they're asking him to do offensively, I truly do not understand the, like exercise science behind like how he's able to keep up at this level for this long. It's, it's like remarkable. And, and like, I think what you said is right. And I even want to like hedge a little further. It, it's not a knock on Murray to say that he looks, his skills are enhanced by Jokic, but I think that is like a, a mark of a good player, right? Is to how you play off your teammates. Mm-hmm. It's not just a one-on-one ISO show. I mean, James Harden, I'm not the biggest James Harden fan. I'll, preface what I'm about to say with that, but part of the reason it was so easy to finish Houston, right? And we blew them out in multiple games, uh, despite, you know, the final score of some of them. James Harden, it's like you take him out of the the play from half court, and he, this dude is, like, not going to do anything. He would just die. I mean, Stan Van Gundy had, like, a whole series of tweets even about, like, how James Harden would just pass it at half court and then just die on the play. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Jamal Murray never stops moving, dude. And and I don't want to say yeah. this name because I know it's going to sound absurd, but just, just purely based on that, it gives me like Steph Curry vibes. 
It's like your Ooh. guards are just chasing him. <laughs> Not to say he's Steph Curry. I know. Yeah, yeah. Freak out about that stuff. But, you know, our guards are chasing him around so much. 45 minutes, he's on the court out of the game. You know, out of the 48-minute game. And we're chasing him around so much. And he just never gets tired, dude. And then he goes back yeah. on the other end. Steph, you could say he takes some breaks on defense. But no, Murray's like, yeah, we don't have, like elite guards or anything, but he's chasing our three-point shooters and competing on the defensive side, too. So I just can't say enough good things about him. I, you know, he's never played this well. Um, Obviously, he was a lottery pick. Like, yeah, later in the lottery, but, you know, I guess the presumption there is you have some upside. Um, But he, if he can keep this up, like, going into next season, and this isn't just like a... Because sometimes this happens, right? We've seen this kind of thing before. Um, if, if he, if this is not just like a flash in the pan, like I got really hot in this circumstance in the bubble, like, you know, that was my time. Um, TJ Warren in the seeding game style, you know, like (laughs) if, if, if he can avoid that and keep this kind of play up next season, I mean, this dude is just, he's got a very, very bright future. There are like not that many point guards who can score, but also play without the ball. Um, yeah. And that's why, you know, Steph Curry is one that comes to mind, but there aren't that many other than those two, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it feels like the Nuggets are kind of uh, on the cusp in the same way the Oklahoma City Thunder were with Westbrook, Durant, and I think at the time Ibaka, and maybe even Jeff Green and James Harden. You know, like the, right before that year where they made it to the finals, they had to undergo that first step. And it feels like the, the Nuggets are right there. Obviously, they're at the Western Conference Finals, so they're not that far off. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of people may have been, I don't know if this is the right term, but sandbagging their run here just because it's the bubble, right? And weird stuff happens, so maybe this is the case. But, I mean, this team was third in the West in the regular season, right? So I think they've earned everything that has come to them up until this point for obvious reasons, you know, beating the Clippers. Um, But, yeah, they're a really tough team, and, you know, I mean, they're versatile. They got guys like Monte Morris, who was spectacular tonight. They have guys who can dribble the ball, really, is what it boils down to, and can create. Uh, So it's tough. It's it's, it's a tough cover. And the one thing, again, you know, Nikola Jokic is such a perfect decoy because it's like we can't trap the way that we've been trapping people, right? You give it to Jokic and you're done. But yeah, we'll take it to break, and when we return, we'll talk more about the Lakers instead of the Nuggets. Uh, Yeah, we'll take it to break. All right, so we're back, and I wanted to highlight a couple of players really quickly. What was your what were your thoughts on uh, Anthony Davis's start? He was smoking oh hot. I mean, he was turning around, <laughs> yeah. fading away. Everything was swishing, it, it, like perfect I mean, arc on every jump shot. It, well, so what I liked about it was he started the game, you know, so like aggressive attacking the basket. Um, it wasn't like, I'm going to hold it. And like both him and LeBron, I don't know if it's a conditioning thing. I don't know if it's like the pain is too clogged up as defenses are tightening up. And, um, you know, Steph, as you get deeper in the playoffs, like AD, when he establishes himself in the low post early in the game, like catch, turn, face up. Paul Millsap, love the guy, high character, high IQ, very good <laughs> defensive player. He's like 35 years old. Like, yeah, and he's... He, he's 35 years old and he's small and he's not athletic. Like, AD can explode around him and jump over his ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, easily. Like, when he gets it within four feet, it's going to be like an essentially an uncontested shot unless he gets fouled, which is why Millsap had like two fouls in the first two minutes of the game. You know, so... He needs to really, really keep that kind of stuff up. It was awesome, awesome start. I kind of wish, um, you know, second quarter. I don't know. Everybody made a big deal. He like the TNT crews are like so insane in the way they call some of these games. <laughs> That's I mean, three missed shots. That in a row is after four? seven for no, seven. No, 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 dude. <laughs> I, the best one was when he hit his first shot in the third, and the guy goes. Well, AD hits one after missing four straight and the sh- and the stats flash, and those were the only four shots he had missed the whole game <laughs> out of, like, 13 attempts. Like, it's it's so crazy. But anyway, um, you know, it's like, you know, I know people, like, uh, think it's ironic the Laker fans complain about stuff like that, but I just think it's funny. I'm not complaining. But mm-hmm. AD, uh, you know, he had – he could have kept that up, I thought, a little bit more. Um as the game gets uh, like goes on, I think these guys are just so tired and beaten down. They don't want to take the contact if they don't have to. Yeah. Um, the paint tightens up, like I was saying. Uh, but he he really needs to like get off to those kinds of starts because it opens up all aspects of his game. When he gets started early, getting easy buckets, getting dunks, lobs, tip ins, 
uh, hook shots. It like you know people commented so much about how well he was shooting the first couple series from the mid range and three. And my response to that was he was getting such good looks early, like deep, that you know those other shots later in the game came easy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of got back to that tonight, which I like. I really hope his ankle is not super serious uh, yeah. because if he's like, frankly, I mean, we need him at a hundred percent to beat this team. Yeah. This team is good, dude. I mean, it, like we can't beat around the bush here. For sure. Um, let's quickly talk about LeBron James, who. I can't believe I'm going to have complaints for a guy who put up 26, 9, and 8 with zero turnovers, but I'm going to, so we're going to talk about the good stuff first. Uh, I think he made it an intentional point to drive it into the lane in the first half and really put the onus on the refs to finally call the whistle, and lo and behold, though, he got some calls on plays that he should have been getting calls in the first place from the beginning of this series and not getting out-free-throwed by Jeremy Grant in one game. So LeBron James shot 14 free throws, was 11 of 14 from the line, uh, was kind of leading that charge and getting us our momentum in transition in the first half. He sputtered again in the second half. It was only 7 of 18 from the field, and I felt like he was settling for jump shots again, looking for that home-run three-point shot, which has kind of left him a little bit. And... uh, yeah, he's been doing this thing where he's just been making the wrong reads. There were a couple possessions where he just hold the ball and kept dribbling, dribbling the air out of it till the shot clock ran down to three seconds. And then once he finally like passed it off to another guy, he was passing it to the wrong dudes. You know what I mean? Like Caruso with like one second left when he had Kuzma on the other side of the court wide open and just really weird decision making by LeBron James again, which, which I feel like has been sort of the case these last few games. I'm not too overly worried but I guess it's just more indicative of the fact that our half court offense is just such garbage (laughs) I don't know what 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 to do in that respect but I guess what were your thoughts on LeBron James performance tonight and are you concerned at all by just his I don't know decision making at the end there I I think we're still gonna get the playoff LeBron game and next game would be the perfect time to sort of unleash that because I'm sure the refs will come out to play again on Denver's side but uh yeah your thoughts on LeBron uh, yeah, like you said, I like that he was he did put the onus on the refs. I mean, everybody made this huge stink about how the Lakers sent this report in about how he wasn't getting calls. Look, I, I, everybody does this. I mean, like, again, Reggie Miller was mocking it, and even C-Web had to, like, comment. <laughs> this TNT crew is crazy, man. <laughs> even C-Web had to be like, come on, you don't think Indiana ever did that? I mean, like, it's widely known that every team did does this kind of thing. I think, like, Houston mm-hmm. got mocked because... They hired, like, a f- accounting firm or something to do, like, an audit of, you know, the calls or something. Like, they did, they went, like, absurd with it instead of just saying, like, look at these calls. Like, what is this type of thing? Um, yeah. I mean, he was getting hacked. In the first three games, he had ten free throws. Two of those were on a flagrant foul. Jeremy Grant in game three alone had 12. Um, Michael Porter Jr. in the series ha- before this game had more free throws than LeBron. That's you true. know, like, it's just like, it's great. I mean, he plays off the bench. I'm not saying he's not aggressive, didn't deserve it, but I'm not saying, you know, and it's crazy because I feel like a Denver fan response to a lot of this was, oh, well, we're, we're giving him unimpeded access to the basket. If he had unimpeded access to the basket, he'd be scoring 45 points a game right now. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. he's getting, he's taking the contact. He doesn't get the fouls all the time. I think he still could be a little bit more aggressive. Um, he got the calls in this game. He won't get them in every game. Um, but I actually thought that despite his numbers, he had a really bad game. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I realize that I'm looking at the... I don't even know if this box score was right, dude. ESPN sometimes Fs up. But he had eight assists and no turnovers. Is that right? I feel, I feel like I've, he must have I had guess a turnover. All, maybe all of his turnovers came in those possessions where he passed it off to a dude with like one second left and they just oh, yeah. had to shoot a shot or something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. But so, so anyway, I, I mean, like, he needs to... For people who, you know, have been fans for a long time, you probably remember, like, Cleveland LeBron, right? And I'm talking about, like, Cleveland LeBron playing the Spurs or, like, first-year LeBron playing uh, – in my first-year LeBron Miami playing Dallas, right? Like, sometimes teams do these things defensively, and he just – he has LeBron is such a smart player on the court, but when you throw in a zone or do things that like he's not expecting or take away his lines of sight by sagging off and daring him to shoot jumpers, like if he doesn't have his jumper going that night, which he hasn't yeah. had like 
since I, I like I can't remember how well he shot game one, but it feels like other than a really, really hot start in game two, he hasn't hit very many jumpers in this series. So I like he just has no confidence in it or very little confidence in his jumper, and he's getting confused about what to do with these like coverages. I feel like he has to clean this up because Miami famously is making a big like everyone's making a big stink okay. about how they're playing this three two zone. Um, and that could be like, unless the Lakers figure out how to like attack these coverages where guys are sagging off and they're not, they're essentially not playing man, um, because you can spread your shooters. I mean, like people on Twitter talk about this all the time, right? If you're spreading your shooters or isolating everyone to one side of the court to open up one side of the court for LeBron, that means you have like three guys. Like, there, how many plays were there? Like three Laker guys standing in the same corner, you yeah. know, trying to isolate to give LeBron one side. But what you're ignoring about that, right, is it doesn't with the rules the way they are. It doesn't really clear up the court for LeBron because one guy from Denver can guard three guys on the Lakers in that far <laughs> corner because like they're all standing so close to each other. So that's not proper spacing. Like doing a full clear out is not like proper spacing the way that like sophisticated defenses uh, play and, and Denver it's crazy because they were not a good defense, but Michael Malone is known for being a defensive coach and their defense in this series has been great. I know the Lakers have had like, they shot well in the last game. They didn't shoot poorly in this game. Um, they've shot overall well the whole series to be honest, but uh, despite that, they're having to work for these buckets. I mean, against Houston and Portland, it just felt so easy at times, right? So yeah, it props to everything that Denver's doing, but LeBron needs to, you know, start hitting some jumpers, get out of his head. I mean, he is like, you know, people have been texting me even, you know, turning on these games, like, what is LeBron doing? It feels <laughs> like he has no energy, right? Yeah. And And I do, I agree with that. He has to pick up the pace. He has to do something push himself to like get his heart rate up early in the games and, 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 you know, be in that attack mode, aggressive scoring mode, because it's getting towards the end of these games and he hasn't taken a jump uh, jumper the whole game. And it's like, he's bricking these fourth quarter jumpers and it's just, it's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. They're giving him the Westbrook treatment and he's sort of falling for it. And the other thing is they're, they're allowing him to, they're giving him the ball at the top of the key. And I think they should be working him in the post more. Where even, more, dude. Yeah. If, if he's going to take a jump shot, at least he's taking a jump shot that he's comfortable taking, you know, cause LeBron's not like a pull up jump shot facing forward. You know, he's a better he's not. turnaround jump shooter. He is. But one thing I'll say about that is besides getting him the ball in the post, I think he also needs to have like a come to Jesus moment the same way Rondo and all these other guys who get this kind of treatment have had, right? Is like, if they're giving you that shot, step in with confidence and make the shot. LeBron's yeah. made these shots all season. He's not like the worst three-point shooter in the NBA. He shoots like 35%. That's like pretty good for a guy that big who drives so much, right? Like he can hit the shots. He just has to take them with confidence, which right now it's like taking the jumper is option you know d in his yeah. in his uh in his playbook i think it's a confluence of just bad events including him just falling into a cold stretch which he can fall into but this dude was shooting like 45 percent from three hitting like three threes a game against like the houston rockets and the portland trailblazers right it just so happens that the last two games he tried to find that home run hit from the outside he's been bricking them like crazy and it hasn't worked and it's actually resulted in you know a loss or almost two losses, right? So I feel like that's in his head a little bit. That, not to say that I want him to keep shooting threes, but, you know, if you do shoot them, shoot them with confidence a little bit more, yeah. like you said. Quickly, let's talk about Dwight Howard. Obviously, his insertion into the starting lineup was huge. I don't think we need to say much more than we already have. 12 points, 11 rebounds. Like, his energy, his offensive rebounding in that first half and getting i think he had two and ones including that tip dunk of the his dunk where he got and sick. oh my gosh and he got up high for that i don't think i've ever seen like a tip and one dunk like that where it was one-handed crushed it down the rim and then got fouled and it was very ferocious and uh and i feel like the biggest thing right uh, dwight howard was a lot smarter and more controlled tonight it was a controlled ferocity by dwight so your thoughts on dwight yeah everything you said pretty much fantastic fantastic game for him he um is obviously the better matchup for Jokic and I, it's like sad it took this long but I'm glad they finally made the adjustment he needs to keep it up 
all of our guys, like, it's good to have that, like, physicality. It's good to have the championship mindset. But we also are not experienced enough to clown around and win, necessarily. You know what I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. I think there was too much theatrics happening um, before this game. He put the theatrics away. He had one, like, ticky-tack foul that they called early in the first quarter, and I thought that was going to be a bad sign. I think he fouled Grant on a drive, and I was like, oh, God, like, three minutes into the game. Um, and he only had one foul the entire rest of, like, the 20 minutes he played. So, you know, that all-around great, great effort for Dwight. Yeah, and if I hadn't, if I haven't said it yet, the Lakers, the way that they were able to win even after their offense sputtered out was second-chance points because they had 25 second-chance points tonight. Uh, because they their transition game actually was not um, was not that big tonight. Well, actually, seventeen points. They only had eleven points off turnovers, so I guess about decent. But usually, uh, in these playoffs, at least, I feel like when we're really ramming it down the other team's throats, we're in that twenty five point range. But regardless, yes. the second chance points helped us out a lot uh, in lieu of that. Um, let's talk about, uh, Rajon Rondo. What a roller coaster of a ride. I feel like this game was a microcosm of Rajon Rondo's season where the first half was the regular season and the second half, in spite of the fact that he still had some weird moments in the second half, overall, we don't win this game without him. The second half of this game is the playoffs that we've seen thus far of playoff Rondo. 11 points, uh, seven assists, five rebounds. He hit that huge free throw line jumper at the end, had that great alley dunk to Anthony Davis, even hit a wide open three pointer as well, and really, really stemmed the tide for us in that third quarter when it felt like things were sort of uh, slipping from us. But uh, it's just, oh man, it's such a relief to have another playmaker outside of LeBron because when LeBron is having these weird brain farts and just settling for really bad jump shots at least rondo's still driving you know making it a point to drive into the paint and look for other guys right and set something up so your quick thoughts on rondo rondo is like one of these weird players and we've had guys like this on past championship teams but you can think of so many individual plays that he just horrendously messed up in this game but I think you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, if he's not on this team, we don't win this game. Um, he had seven assists in this game. Uh, many of it came in that fourth quarter where he played great. He had that, obviously, essentially game-clinching rebound, um, mm-hmm. offensive rebound at the end of the game in the last minute. Uh, hit his only three he took, shot well from the field overall. Lots and lots and lots of mental lapses in the first half. I mean, just so many and just really <laughs> bad defense too. But um, yeah, again, despite all of those mistakes, if he is not on the floor to make those plays at the end, we lose the game. And I just, as I love Caruso. Caruso is obviously, a, you know, top, one of the top perimeter defenders in the league, which is pretty crazy um, already. But you need somebody out there. You have to live with the negative that Rondo brings in some cases because he will save you uh, games at the end, and I think that's what he did tonight. Yeah, he's an absolute gamer, especially when your two stars are kind of not getting it done at the end, right? Um, so it's nice to have, at least from a mental and sort of aura perspective, that third guy in Rondo. Uh, talk about KCP. You've told me he's good, and he was good tonight, um, as he has been consistently throughout these playoffs. His first missed layup notwithstanding, which oh is such God. a KCP thing. I was like, uh. of course. Of freaking course. I think there was another play where he decided to jam it down, oh, rightfully that was so. beautiful, yeah. And I was like, KCP, why don't you do this every He's pretty athletic, dude. I like, <laughs> like, on the one in the first quarter, you could sense it was coming because when he's shooting a layup straight on, he almost always misses it. If he's going from an angle, he's pretty good at using the backboard. But he is actually very, very athletic. He's fast and he jumps well. I don't understand why he doesn't go up and finish all of those. The one you're thinking of is I think in the third quarter or something, or maybe early fourth, he had a backdoor cut on the baseline and went up with two hands and jammed it. Mm -hmm. And he like got up there easily and jammed it, dude. Like, even it's just like, why don't you just do this every time? I feel like so often he goes up quickly and like tries to shoot a quick, like a quick jump layup and like nobody's even contesting it. And he just bricks it because he's trying to quick jump, like no defenders. It's so weird. That or he anticipates the foul and then stabs oh, exactly. <laughs> he does that a lot. But I mean, look, I, I think KCP, I'll give him props for being aggressive. Um, we go to these lineups at the end of games that 
sometimes have such a hard time scoring. And KCP only shot three for nine from three, but we are going to need him to take those types of shots. Um, He might not be making them now. He's not going to make 100% of them, but he is going to hit some clutch ones. He hit some clutch ones in the fourth quarter of this game. So, you know, I'll give him props for stepping up with confidence. I think he had like an air ball at some point, and I was like, oh, God, that's not going to be it. You know, between the missed layup and then, you know, he shoots an air ball, and it's like, oh, God, he's going to have a horrible game. But he actually shot five for 12, three for nine from three, like not a bad shooting game overall, scored 13 points. Like he, if he can keep that this level of play, I'll be pretty satisfied. Yeah, for sure. Props to KCP. We do not win this game without him. All right, let's talk about Kyle Kuzma, kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of game. I think we'll have to take this incrementally, at least in terms of the positive progress. You know why he didn't play in the second half. It was because he continued to, was it, bite on Michael Porter Jr.'s two three-pointers? or he, like, he he was just getting cooked by Michael Porter Jr., dude. I, I'm just, I'm sorry. Like, it was so bad. It, it just, like, any time... I mean, I don't know. It's like every time I see Kuzma and Michael Porter Jr. play each other, it feels like that Spider-Man meme with the two Spider-Mans like, yeah. pointing at each other. But it feels like Kuzma takes it so personally because this is like another young dude, like a young guy who's similar build and similar offensive play style. And it really does feel like I, at first I was like the commentators are exaggerating, but now it even feels like to me Kuzma's making this very much a one-on-one thing. Like he wants to prove he's the better young six-nine plus like offensive-minded, uh, you know, tweener forward in in that age bracket or whatever the hell he's trying to prove. But it's just he was getting cooked and, and I don't want that to take away from how well I thought he played offensively and people are going to look at the box score and say what? And it's like, yeah, he shot four for 11 and two for seven from three, but he came in and took control of his minutes. And by that, I mean, he wasn't like out there. He's only going to play X amount of minutes per game. He can get up his shots in that minute in the, in that, in that time we've had games. Danny green got up six shots. He hasn't, he's hit like one shot this entire bubble. Okay, so like if Danny Green Don't is get me get, started. Yeah, if Danny Green is gonna get his shots up, if like other random dudes are gonna get their shots up, you are like our main scorer off the bench. You have to know that and you have to come in and take your shots. If you're gonna go four for eleven, fine, but guess what? Those ten points helped us win the game. You know what I mean? So it, it's like he I, I really, really appreciated that he was so aggressive offensively. Um and and really took the open shots that were given to him. He got tapped on a couple threes. He I actually thought he could have had a better game. Yeah. Uh, but he, you know, all overall, you know, he played really, really, really well on that end. But complete, just I mean, on defense, I don't know what he was doing. Again, I think it's like he's he's played so well defensively this entire postseason. It's like he's overplaying now, and it. It's just so bad. He's treating Michael Porter Jr. like he's Michael Jordan. Just stay in front of him and try to contest the shot. Like, what are you doing? Here, I'll say this. I feel I still feel like that narrative's overblown because he wasn't trying to go at Michael Porter Jr. in the second half offensively because he didn't even get time, really. He had one shot in, the I think, the second half, which was a wide-open baseline three that he got tapped on. I think what's, what is probably very emphasized in everybody's minds is the back-to-back three-pointers that Michael Porter Jr. hit that Kuzma kind of he almost did that do you remember that thing that Shannon Brown used to do where he just runs but run past them instead of like for whatever reason yeah yeah so I think that may be weighing very heavily on people's minds because Michael Porter Jr. is at, at least in this game was not like a break your man off the dribble sort of dude. He was just hitting tough jump shots and Kuzma, for whatever reason, was biting on them and not staying in front of him and just, you know, planting his feet. Because I think on one or both of those jump shots, Michael Porter Jr. pump faked and Kuzma just, you know, he almost had to contest from behind and it didn't work out because Michael Porter Jr. is a long dude who can hit these tough shots. So... Um, but yeah, so he, that's the reason why he got pulled, and I have no problem with it. Learning moment for Kuzma, who, for the most part, this playoffs has moved his feet well and defended pretty consistently. It's just in those two moments, maybe he wanted to get the block shot and was a little bit antsy, right? And on both those times, it was the exact same uh, exact same display of undiscipline. Um, so that's why he got yanked and wasn't able to build on his first half. But with regards to what you were talking about, of, about just him having the mentality to look for his shot and not second-guess himself and look to pass it off and be timid. That was exactly the case for Kuzma. But on top of it, like I've been talking to you about off-air, 
A large part of it, too, was just the coaching staff making it an intentional, concerted effort to get him the ball in different situations. It's almost like today they were like, thought experiment. What would happen if we treated Kuzma like he could score? You know, like the way that he was his first two years in the game. And they started curling him off screens, you know, actually yeah. giving him screens, giving him uh, the ability to touch the ball, to have some feel in his hands, to be like, oh, yeah, this is what it feels like outside of just getting an open layup or like having to hoist up an open three-point shot. It's like, I'm moving, you know, there's en- the, the ball finds energy, Kuzma finds energy, Kuzma finds rhythm. And that's why I wasn't worried by the fact that he started off the game like one for five. And his first two shots were like drives where he tried to do his like nifty little floaters and he got tapped. But those things, when he's doing it in the flow of the offense, still overall helps our offense as evidenced by the fact that Dwight Howard got offensive rebounds off of Kuzma's misses and put it back, you know? Him just making the intuitive move by taking the shots he's supposed to take, even if, you know, some other guys might say, oh, Kuzma's forcing it. No, he's taking the shots he knows he can take And he's not second-guessing himself and trying to pass it cross-court to the guy on the baseline and turning the ball over, you know? So I think that's what I appreciated. But I also appreciate the fact that for the first time, one of the first times, I feel like, the coaches were like, one, they probably told him, Kuzma, shoot the damn ball. And two, we're going to run you off these curls so you have the ball in your hands and you can actually get a feel for the ball. Maybe you can, he had a nice assist to Caruso on the baseline, almost had a lob to JaVale McGee that was a little bit ill-advised. But you know, it's just Kuzma getting into a rhythm offensively. And then after that, even after he started off the game one for five, he ended up hitting two threes after that. How many times when Kuzma starts off that slow, he's gone for the rest of the game, right? Yeah. But that wasn't the case tonight because they allowed him to be a part of the offense more so than just cutting and, you know, spotting up. And this is the kind of Kuzma you get more, you know, it's part and parcel Kuzma being confident and like rejiggering his mentality. And then also to the coaching staff helping him out. So anything else to add there? Yeah, I think I agree. I think I agree with everything you you say, except for I put a little bit more. I probably, you know, if you want to put a scale sure. or whatever on blame of coaching staff versus Kuz, I probably put a little more on Kuz. I mean, I think he's been getting touches. I think he's just been so aggressively passive, right? And it's like, you can see it in his shooting percentages. And I'm not saying, you know, you don't want him to shoot well. Obviously you do, but... Yeah, he was shooting four for seven, four for six, four for, you know, five for eight, whatever. A good, like, high percentage games that seemed like he was efficient. Like, why isn't he doing more? I thought he played better tonight, like, much better in his 4 for 11 game offensively than he did in some of those other ones. To yeah. me, it's more important for him to make the right play and live with the results. Because if you put in the work, if you do, you know, everything you're supposed to do, if you're taking shots that you know you can make because you make them in practice or when you're shooting alone or whatever... Keep shooting them because that means eventually you'll get out of your head and you'll start making them in these important games. Um, and those plays are so much more important to me than, you know, Kuzma had one game where he that shot, you know, three layups in transition and he had two cuts or, you know, something like that. Like he it was maybe the coaching staff did something different. I frankly thought they didn't really. I thought it was like the same stuff. I just thought when no, Kuzma dude, it, it was so different. Dude, when he, they were when running he was him catching off curls. It, yeah, he was run, but he's been running off curls looking to pass though in in the earlier series. In this game, he was catching it and making plays. There were plays where he was catching it with less than six seconds, and he wasn't looking around like, "Who am I going to pass it?" He's like, "Okay, now's my time to break it down and do something." Like he was being very. It was very shoot first for him tonight, and I think yeah. it has to be like that. But I think it's shoot first because coming out of those timeouts, they were legitimately saying this curl is for Kuzma. And he acted that way. Seriously, he hasn't been run off this many curls and been the primary screener for LeBron James as much as this game. And they've started to do that thing where he was the screener the last two games. And I told you that pick and pop is there every single time. And that's where he got his three pointers tonight. So I feel like it's an intentional effort by the coaching staff too, where most of the time he's just floating around on the perimeter, where this game in particular, he is an active participant in what's going on, whether it's as the screener, whether it's as the curler, or whether it's, there was literally a time where he had the ball in his hands and they called the screen for him so that he could run a pick and roll play. Right. But I mean, like Kuzma picking and popping. I mean, there was that sequence where they did a couple pick and pops in the same possession with Porter and Kuzma. It ends up in Kuzma hitting a three. Like, that was a really good play, right? But how much of that is them running a play versus like, 
Yeah, I, I don't. I, I hear maybe this is where we're having a disagreement. I mean, I don't doubt. I think they're showing Kuzma the film and saying, like, here, look, this is how you need to get. This is where you should be going when they defend you like this. Get to this spot and you'll have this shot in this position. I think they're telling him stuff like that. But, I mean, I don't think these plays are being run, like, quote-unquote, for Kyle Kuzma. I just think he is doing a better job of responding, you know, to, like, the instruction and, like, the film and, like, all that stuff and figuring out where he can get his looks and be aggressive. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll still I'll still go. It's 70% on Kuz, but I think it's definitely 30% too. The coaching staff realize they have to get this guy involved because if we don't get this guy involved, he's helpless and he can't do anything for himself, you know? Um, so I'm just glad that whether they told him in the film room, but also said, hey, Kuzma, you're going to shoot and we're going to force you to shoot. You know why? Because this play is for you. Whatever the case may be, it happened. And if he can build on this performance in the first half, please, we need it. We need the offense. Just, you know, don't get too hippity hoppity, flip floppity <laughs> on defense against uh, Michael Porter Jr. And then we'll be good if we can just the, get the Kuzma that we've been getting on defense alongside, you know, this version of Kuzma where they get him going early and into a rhythm. Man, that will help our offense out so much. Uh, um, okay, I think that's all we have for tonight. Uh, the five minutes by JaVale McGee. Let's just totally abandon that from now on. No, dude, I like those minutes, actually. <laughs> okay, you do. I do, um, because look, look, I'm just saying Denver is like the first team. We, we've played two centers the whole season. Denver is like the only other team that plays two true, I'm going to play like inside type of centers. Why would we like allow Plumlee, who's not very good, I mean, he had so a ton of rebounds and tip outs and stuff in the last game. He had one rebound in this game. Part of that was Morris boxed out better, but part of that was when JaVale comes in, he at least takes up space. And, like, dis- causes some disruption, you know what I mean, for, for Plumlee's length. That it, you know, Plumlee didn't have these random lobs he was getting in the last game. <laughs> oh, was that it? Yeah, yeah, no. I, oh, he wasn't I, getting I think, lobs, like, okay. Five, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's minutes, true. You know, like, I'm not saying play him a lot, but five, ten minutes to match up for a little bit against Plumlee, I don't, I don't mind it. Cool. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say this. I forgot to bring it up when we were mentioning Kuz, but uh, he had that really good play or good recognition. I think probably his only good play in the second half uh, where LeBron passed it to him at the three-point line, the baseline. And for whatever reason, two guys ran at him. (laughs) I was really confused by that. Um, But he passed it straight to Anthony Davis, like right below the bucket. Probably should have ended up in a dunk, but Anthony Davis got fouled and gave recognition to Kuz. So if if he can continue to also just play smart, I feel like Kuzma's a better passer when he's not passing off the dribble necessarily if he can continue to do that that would be great uh lastly i don't want to end on a bad note but you mentioned him earlier but freaking danny green we're still waiting on the danny green game i guess i know in the aggregate he's still shooting like 37 38 from three but his i mean this is not what we paid this guy 15 million dollars to do maybe we should have seen this coming given he was very inconsistent with the raptors last year as well and only shot like 33 percent in the finals although he did have like a four for six game um, I thought he played pretty good defense still, but I mean, one for six, one for four from three-point land. I don't know when I can count on this dude. That's great that he's offensive, rebounding, and blah, 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 blah. But we did not pay you $15 million for this. Your thoughts right. on Danny Green, and let's close it out. Oh, he has been horrible. Horrible. Okay, and, and I really, I, every game, I'm just mind-boggled because I'll open up a box store and he has the highest plus minus. <laughs> annoys me that much more. He is plus 12 in this game. he has the highest game. net rating in the playoffs, too, it's so I don't know what he's crazy. doing. He's, he's like paying how off he's the stat to, people. Yeah, he's paying him off, dude. But yeah, I mean, look, he is just awful. More often than not, when he catches it I, I and shoots a three, I expect him to brick it. He's not even, though, just taking, like, the high percentage threes. Like, camp out in the corner and take your set threes or whatever, which, by the way, it's like, for a guy who shot, like, 50% from the corners last year from three, he is, like, missing everything now. But anyway, at least those are his shots or whatever. At the elbows, it seems like he's doing a little bit better. These weird ones where he's, like, dribbling it up himself in transition and, like, stops and tries to shoot it, I'm like... What do you think is going to happen? And obviously it ends up being a horrible brick. You know what I mean? And, and like when he when he puts it on the floor, the reason he's such a useless NBA player is because when off, – on offense – is because when he puts it on the floor, like everyone is daring him to shoot a layup. He cannot make a layup to save his life. It's horrendous, dude. And then he – to top it all off, he is like – not a bad defender, like, overall, and certainly not a bad team defender. 
But he is so slow, and he is just, like, too slow to keep up with these guards on Denver. Sometimes, you know, if he gets lucky and ends up in front of Murray, he does a pretty good job of contesting with his size and length. But he's just, like, he's getting cooked to the rim. And it's not just Murray. Like, Monte Morris is cooking him, too. It's 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 pretty bad and sad to watch. Yeah, I I haven't lost all hope in Danny Green. I still think we're going to get a green game, whether it's in this series or hopefully one in the finals. God knows we need it. But, I mean, come on, DG. Come on, buddy. Let's get it going. Uh, it's, it's frankly beginning to get a, a little bit sad. But, uh, yeah, I still have hope that we're going to get a Danny Green game. At the end of the day, kind of like with playoff Rondo, even though Danny Green's making $14 million than him, uh, you... <laughs> You just pay him for one of those games, right? One or two yeah. of those games, and then you become worth it. So that's all we really need at this point because we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. We just have to hope it eventually comes around. Next game would be a great game to do it in, a potential closeout game. As I mentioned to start the show, Tommy, this is a, a unstoppable force meets a immovable object because the Nuggets have not lost being down 1-3, but the Lakers themselves have not lost being down 3-1. So... Hopefully this is a third straight series where they gentlemen sweep, but their toughest gentlemen sweep yet, but I'll take it. So we'll see what happens on Saturday, and uh, yeah, we will catch you guys then. And uh, any last words? Uh, go Lakers. <laughs> Why did you do it in that accent? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. Go Lakers indeed. Uh yeah, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us five stars on iTunes. Patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast if you want to help us out in any small way financially. And also go to YouTube.com to check out our quote unquote live stream shows. Uh, you can just search Lakers Legacy as the channel. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. And Tommy, I will catch you guys later. Or I will catch you later when the Lakers move on to the f- next game. <laughs> Later. See ya. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.